Welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's fantasy hockey show. I'm Paul Bruno coming to you from just north of Toronto, Ontario, in Canada. And you can follow me at Statsman22. And across the border, my co-host resides in the beautiful state of Wisconsin in a town called Sun Prairie. That's very close to Rotowire headquarters over in Madison. You can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We're here to bring you another week of hockey talk on our program. But uh, off the top, AJ, a couple of topics that came to mind as I was prepping for the show, and I thought I'd bounce them off you, see how you feel about these issues. So uh, first of all, how you doing, and what's the weather like out there, as usual? We have to go through the weather report. <laughs> uh, things, are, uh, things are looking uh, looking good. It's supposed to be high in the 50s today, which really is actually not good for me. Uh, got my uh, cross-country ski race this weekend. They've had to uh, modify some plans due to lack of snow, but it's still going to go off, uh, so we'll be doing that uh, uh, this weekend. And as always, doing that as part of Team ALS to support fundraising efforts in the fight against ALS. So we'll have uh, we'll have some fun. We'll raise some money, and we'll go from there. AJ, I want to congratulate you for the work that you continue to do in this space. That's a horrible disease that uh, I'm I'm familiar with uh, actually, and. Uh, uh, I wish you great success, continued success in that in the pursuits that you are doing in that vein. And maybe they ought to add a swimming component if if uh, <laughs> the ice doesn't hold. Maybe you can do a, like a winter lude swim uh, as part of the race. I don't think that's something you look forward to. No, I, I've heard uh, heard a lot of people suggest when you get to the lake, uh, there should be boats there. You're already on skis, you know, just you know, ski across the lake, but. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to water ski on cross-country skis. They're a little bit thinner than, uh, than required for behind the boat. That's for sure. I, I'd love to see a video of that. So <laughs> keep that in mind for your followers. AJ, uh, off the top, I want to give a nod to a player that uh, played for your favorite team in his, much of his career. And he was honored on the weekend. Of course, I'm talking about Yarmir Yager. He had his number 68 retired by the Penguins. He's still playing hockey professionally for his the club team that he owns over in Czechia. I believe it's Kladno is the name of the team. And uh, I I watched the ceremony, and I got to tell you, the best line from his speech, I he says, I have to explain my career highlights to my girlfriend, who is too young to remember much of my time in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and you know what? That's just so Yager in terms of he's not a cookie-cutter guy, never was. And uh, it was kind of uh, interesting every time he got on the microphone struggled with a bit with the English language, but really gave good answers and not, not cliche stuff whenever he was involved uh, in, uh, in those interviews. And uh, I, I also got a kick out of the fact that his teammates wore, some of them wore the mullet wigs, and uh, those were pretty awesome too. Uh, I wonder how you were impacted by that presentation. What, what, what were your impressions? Well, I mean, I, I think number one, a uh, long time coming, you know, there was a, a famous uh, report out there um, that, you know, they, they had initially reached out to Yager about doing a Jersey retirement and his uh, initial response was, oh, no, they hate me there in Pittsburgh. Um, and they're, you know, they're like, whoa, buddy, like, yeah, when you would come back in another Jersey, they'd give you some grief, but definitely not uh so I think there was a, a misunderstanding on Yager's part for a long time that, you know, the, the fans in Pittsburgh may have booed him when he came back wearing other jerseys, particularly that Flyers one I could have done without. But, um, you know, I, I there was always a, a respect there. And, and I think it was a long time coming. Uh, obviously, you know, the next ones going up are going to be 87 and 71. Uh, and then you start talking about, you know, maybe 58, maybe 29. Um you know, 29's got multiple, multiple kind of uh, team icons that have worn that jersey. So that's a question there. But uh, yeah, so just a great weekend. Uh, I think one of the coolest things that I saw was that he took the ice uh, as part of warmups. I don't think we've seen uh, that happen before, at least not in my memory for a, for a jersey retirement ceremony. But uh, he's got to keep the legs sharp. He's got four assists in 15 games this season for Claudno. So uh, no goals yet, so maybe a down year for Yager. Uh, he'll have to pick it up a little bit after this. But, uh, uh, yeah, it, to the point where uh, recently I had seen uh, they asked uh, for if Joe Thornton wants to get on the ice for warm-ups, if the Sharks would let him, and they very firmly said yes, absolutely, if that's what he wants to do. So 
Uh, trendsetter again for Yager, a, a new trend of uh, if guys still got some legs in the tank of, of taking warmups for their retirement game. And AJ, he was a co- constant part of the discussion of a, a Hart Trophy uh, most years in his time in Pittsburgh, playing alongside Mario Lemieux, though that kind of split the vote in some instances probably for him. But uh, it leads me to another question, AJ, in terms of the, the most valuable player race that we're seeing unfold this season. You can make the case for a number of players, certainly McDavid with the points, uh, Kucherov leading the league in points, uh, Matthews by far leading in the goal-scoring race, McKinnon has have been around the leadership in the scoring race for years. And we don't, we haven't even mentioned, I haven't even mentioned the fact that there's two teams atop the, each conference that do they have a dominant player in Vancouver or, or Florida that could, could merit some discussion. I'm kind of curious what the odds makers say, and maybe you can make a point of highlighting that. And we'll have a bit of a discussion about who we think should be the MVP. Well, we've talked about this before, Paul, and I'm going to continue to stump for this until it happens. Uh, it, Nathan McKinnon, I think, is the the favorite. Uh, you look at odds, he actually is the favorite. Uh, looking at our friends over at DraftKings, McKinnon plus 170, Kucherov plus 220, McDavid 300, Austin Matthews 500. Um, so definitely, according to the odds makers, about a four-horse race. You know, you can find odds on Pasternak or Quinn Hughes over in Vancouver, um, but those four guys. But for me, uh, it's it's McKinnon. Um, you know, he hasn't won one yet. I, I I know that probably shouldn't be a factor, but it certainly is. Uh, Kucherov has one. McDavid has three. Matthews has one. Uh, he's, you know, yes, he's uh, got, a you know, uh, a little bit behind on, on some of those categories you mentioned, but he's only three points back of Kucherov. Um, definitely doesn't have the goals, obviously, as Matthews. Um, but I think he's got maybe the least supported team. Uh, maybe Kucherov could make an argument there, too. But, like, you know, I've always said uh, McDavid has Dreisaitl. Matthews has Marner, Nylander, Tavares, whoever else on that team you want to name. Uh, so, for me, hands down, it's Nathan McKinnon. Uh, he should have won one a couple of these years. Uh, but I definitely think uh, he should be atop the discussion this year as well. Yeah, and I mean, you can go back, start the discussion. The discussion that started for me at the skills competition of the NHL, I think McDavid proved that he is the best player with the skills that he put on display there and winning the million bucks. But this isn't about the best player. It's the most valuable to your team. And that's where McKinnon and Matthews, I think, pass him this year. Because uh, Matthews, far and away the goal-scoring leader in the league, you mentioned McKinnon has been around this uh, range at the top of the scoring race for years, has never won the trophy. Maybe it's a legacy thing that he finally gets one. McDavid's certainly worthy uh, for what he's doing again, but 21 goals when you talk, talk about goal scoring only, 21 versus Matthews, 49. That's a bit of a, a mark against him in that in that case. And, and then you think these are teams that are not at the top of the NHL standings. They're near it. But what about Vancouver? What about Florida? What's the reason for them? Uh, in, and in both cases, it's more of a team concept, although you can make a case for, for guys like uh, Elias Pettersson, uh, Matthew Kachuk, even Sergei Bobrovsky, if you want to look at the goaltending there, or Demko uh, in Vancouver's case. So I think it's a wide-open race, but I, I, like you, think that it's going to come down to McKinnon uh, winning it, and I'll say just narrowly over Matthews and McDavid in that order. But a uh, compelling race uh, lies ahead, maybe one of the most compelling in uh, the recent history of the, the award made me come up with this question. And I'd be curious to see what our listeners think and how they think it should be determined. We welcome those comments to the aforementioned uh, Twitter handles that we shared at the top of the show. With that said, AJ, we're going to jump back into our nuts and bolts and see how we can improve the fortunes of our listeners who are in, uh, in races for their uh, fantasy league championships in the regular season. And if you're short and a, position or two there are a number of players again who leaped to the forefront in terms of possibly helping you out with their recent performance an indicator of what may lie ahead aj and uh, i'll leave it to you to start us off with a look at the forwards this past week that turned some heads with their uh, performances 
Yeah, number one on the list uh, in terms of, again, you know, guys, lesser ownership percentage uh, here is uh, your boy Bobby McCann, uh, McMahon, rather, uh, confusing him with Jared McCann. Uh, Bobby McMahon, five goals, one assist, a power play point in there, uh, 11 shots, 13 hits. Uh, so really, uh, across all, all categories here, uh, been elevated to uh, a a top six role. So, you know, getting some more responsibilities seems to be doing well on that second line with Tavares and, and Nylander. Um, how long he can hold on to that, you know, that remains to be seen, but uh, a really good week uh, had a hat trick uh, uh, a little while back against uh, the blues picked up another goal last night. Uh, didn't even factor that into our discussion here. Cause we look at the previous week, but yeah, really thriving in that role. Uh, very low, 1% owned. Uh, so plenty of opportunity to go out and, and grab him. Another player right at the top of the list, less than 5% uh, ownership is Anton Lindell. Three goals, two assists for him. Doesn't get quite the assignment uh, boost here. He's in a third line role. They have shuffled things around a little bit. Evan Rodriguez had been playing in top six. He's down playing with Lundell right now. Um, so maybe that's helping things out a little bit. Um, but again, bouncing back, you know, uh, Lindell missed a couple games in mid-December due to injury. Really struggled coming back from that. No goals, just two assists in 12 games. Uh, had a brief little spurt, went on another slump. So a bit of a streaky player. Um, but if he's going to put up numbers in, in bunches, maybe it's worth having him uh, in that format. I'll just mention if, you know, if you are a penalty player, uh, minute league uh he had had a big one the other day 10 penalty minutes against tampa uh, but that's an abnormality usually he's much more zeros and twos so um you know if you are a penalty minute league don't let that kind of dissuade you that's that's an aberration uh but really good solid week by two guys uh under that five percent ownership paul I'll kick it to you for a little bit let you talk about any guys out there that you like yeah, I look at James Van Riemsdyk in Boston. He's really thrived this year, turning back the clock in terms of his scoring exploits. And last week we saw him add three goals and one helper to the mix. He's getting a lot of power play time, and he's long been a, a power play specialist. So in that Boston situation, they always trot out one of the best power play formats, and he's a key part of it right now that's, that's moving the needle for the Bruins. They're struggling as a team, but he's rising above that to perform very, very well. Ross Colton in Colorado was brought in to be a dynamic addition to their offense. He's got kind of played in fits and starts. He's on a hot streak right now. Pair of goals, pair of helpers last week. And Colorado is a team that is starting to rise to the occasion with the playoff race coming to an end, and, and they're getting ready for the postseason. This guy's a veteran who knows this is the time to get things going. He's playing in a top-six role with other veteran players who uh, know how to fill the net. So a uh, pretty good add, considering he's only owned in 26% of leagues out there and a two-position guy, which we always like to highlight, makes him a possibly a very valuable addition that you might be looking forward to. In St. Louis, I got to look at this guy twice in the past week for the Blues. Jake Neighbors has been a, a key part of their offense for a couple of weeks, and he's around the 20-goal mark already on the season, playing 17 minutes a game last week, came up with three points in addition to what he's come up with earlier in the year. 19% ownership, again, a guy in a good situation, playing top six minutes, getting a look on the power play for a team that is in the playoff hunt, and he's going to be leaned on going forward. So a, a smart addition there, too. Uh, I might throw a, a name like Lawson Krause out there, eh? AJ, with a nod to the fact that we're going to be looking at trade pieces that are possible in the next few weeks. And Krause's name is starting to come up again. It seems like every year uh, there's some talk about this guy. And Arizona has fallen off. Uh, from playoff contention, I believe they've now lost nine in a row. So they're in re a real free fall. And maybe it's time for them to turn around and, and move some pieces that aren't going to be there when uh, they uh, their fortunes turn for the better. I mean, Kroos is by no means uh, an older player in the league, but he's, he's up there and away from the core age that uh, a young team wants to have in terms of uh, upward mobility in the next couple of seasons. So there could be no better time that, than now to send a player like Kraus packing for a, a pretty good haul in return for a guy who has been a perennial 20-goal scorer for this team, plays a physical game, and uh, would look good on a top six on most teams that are competing for a playoff spot in the NHL. 
another player worth mentioning, Andre Palat. Now that Jack Hughes is back and, and rolling, he and Nico Heischer are manning the top two lines, and that makes all the New Jersey wingers a little more valuable than they were a couple of weeks ago. And Palat's a guy, another guy who warms up at this time of year. He knows what the stretch run is all about to get ready for a long postseason, they hope. Jersey's on the outside looking in uh, on the fringes of playoff co contention. And this guy, uh, with three assists last week in four games played, only 3% owned, but playing top six minutes, as I say, with one of those dynamic centers. I look for him to be able to get on a scoring run very soon. And one final name, AJ, while I look down this list, Philip Kurashev for Chicago. I mean, you might say, why Chicago? Well, a guy named Connor Bedard is back, and he really scored uh, scored at will, it seemed, in every game. Five points in three games played last week, if memory serves. And uh, Kurashev gets reps with him from time to time. And you can see that reflected in his four-point week as well. So you don't necessarily have to lean on the top teams in the league, but have a look at some of the other players that are, are flying and, and look at their situations. And uh, I gave you a, a real good case example with Kurashev's name coming up. Well, yeah, just to, you know, touch on uh, maybe, you know, one other here. Uh, Philip Zadina shows up on this list. Uh, the Sharks have actually been playing some decent hockey lately. Um, definitely a bit of a streaky player. Definitely a bit of more of a long shot play. Uh, indicative of the fact that he's, you know, 0% owned. Um, but I think something to at least consider. Um, like I said, the Sharks are playing better. Um, so maybe take a, a look at some of those guys, see who's available uh, in your format. They're certainly not going to win the league, but five, four and one in their last uh, last stretch here. Um, and so, yeah, I, th I think a guy like him, maybe Luke Coonan uh, had a decent week as well. There, there's maybe a handful of guys there that you could at least just take a look. You don't have to commit to it, but uh, just give them a look. See. AJ, two more names that I want to throw out, and then I'll lead us into a talk on the defense. But uh, you look at Victor Arvidsson, finally healthy for the LA Kings and immediately thrust into a top six role. That means he's been going to be a scoring liner and uh, on the power play as well. Last week, played his first three games, got two assists. And I look for him to keep that up going forward and really boost a, a sagging team's fortunes and making them... Uh, rebound a little bit from the swoon that we've seen the last few weeks. And then finally, Morgan Foster, Philadelphia, finally shedding the image of a guy who can't seem to hold on to a scoring line role. He's entrenched now as the second line scoring center for the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that is on the in the playoff hunt, playing upwards of almost 20 minutes a game last week. And he collected a pair of points. It's consistent with what we've seen of him in recent weeks. So uh, that's number 23 and number, number 22 and number 25 in terms of the most productive players that uh, might be available in your leagues. And uh, for his part, Frost only owned in 5% of leagues, but I think his situation merits more of an ownership. Arvidsson seems like more people were hanging on to him, AJ, with 51% ownership there. We move on to the defenseman, AJ, and we look at a name like Nick Sealer in Philadelphia. His name has come up in trade talks as well, so maybe that's part of the value that has seen his ownership rise to 15%, but it's very modest for a guy who fills the stat sheet in terms of hits and block shots with 10 and 11 respectively last week and he added two points as well playing almost 17 minutes a game so a guy who could be uh, on the move if philadelphia does fall out of the playoff hunt but certainly a player that they're relying on in in, in the interim and speaking of in the interim in morgan riley's injury absence i mean injury suspension absence the leafs have won four straight games and uh, timothy lilligren has been central to the success of a restructured defense. He's collected five assists last week as the primary go-to guy on the power play. Two of those helpers were up with the extra men. And so maybe his value is inflated a little bit, but still only owning 5% of leagues out there. I'm submitting to you that if you're in a, a keeper league, this might guy, the guy might be good to hold on to as he may be taking a step in his development that we've been waiting for here in Toronto for some time. And the same goes for a guy like a Brand Clark, a former top pick in the NHL draft a couple of seasons ago, starting to get a run in Los Angeles where it was, what do you do after Drew Doughty? Well, now you've got Brant Clark and Matt Roy who are relevant in fantasy and Clark for his part collected three points last week and his ownership is still only at 9% for an LA team that I look for them to finish strong and uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, I'll say that. And so Brant Clark might be a, 
an interesting pick, particularly if you're in a dynasty league situation. Well, one name uh, that's showing up on here as well is Brendan uh, Brendan Smith, who's back from an injury. Um, you know, seen uh, some some decent performance uh, from him. First game back, uh, three hits, three blocks, three shots uh, at it. You know, followed that up with more hits, more blocks, and then. Just this recent game against the Flyers picked up a goal and an assist. Uh, I don't think he's a player you want to rely on for the offensive side of the game. Um, but if you are in a format that you know, needs hits and blocks uh, and even some shots, uh, he's definitely somebody to look at. But especially the defensive side there, uh, you, know, we, you know, you compare him to, say, uh, like, a, like a Timothy Lilligren, who had five assists last week. Uh, which may or may not be sustainable, but the you know the the hits and blocks are way down by comparison. So you got to pick and choose your spots based on your league formats. We talk about that all the time. Um, and then another you know another player showing up on the list here, Cam Fowler, uh, just about thirty percent owned for for Fowler. Uh, I think you know he's their number one. You know he's on that number one power play unit. Um, did see a pretty big dip in the power play. I signed this most recent game against Buffalo. Uh, not immediately clear if that's permanent or temporary, um, but he's got some some solid production. Five points in his last five games. Uh, shot total is down a little bit, but when you look at those five points, four of them came with the man advantage. So again, if you have bonuses or, or significant bonuses for power play options, I think those are two guys to consider there. You mentioned the physical component of games, the hits and block shots. There's a couple of guys who are excelling in that vein. Ilya Lubushkin is another guy on the trade block in Anaheim. 12 hits, 10 blocks last week, playing upwards of 17 minutes a game, yet only owned in 1% of leagues. If you need help in either category, this is a guy who's likely to be moved at the trade deadline and put in an even a better situation. Those numbers should be consistent the rest of the way, and he'll get, chip in the odd point here and there too, depending on where he slots into uh, what looks to be a new situation at the trade deadline. I'm, I'm forecasting for him. Noah Juleson, similarly in Vancouver. Maybe this is the result of what what you might see for uh, Libushkin. A good comparison. Juleson was a formerly a high draft pick, I believe, in Montreal a couple of years ago. Now in a much better circumstance in Vancouver, getting a bit of a run there. He scored a goal last week, but also added 10 hits and six blocks. They're looking for some help behind Quinn Hughes in terms of offense. Maybe he gets a chance to fill that role, say, on a second power play going forward. Uh, we mentioned the Leafs and their surge while Morgan Riley's been away uh, with the suspension. Simon Benoit is another guy who's thrived with the extra minutes. He's up uh, around 21 minutes per game, only on a 2% of leagues, 16 hits and eight block shots for a guy who's quickly becoming a fan favorite here in Toronto. Uh, Luke Shen, another guy with 13 hits last week, playing with Nashville, and he's getting 19, uh, 17 minutes a game of ice time on the season. Picked up a goal last week. That's not what he's about, really. It's more of the physical side, and he's delivering that on a consistent basis. There was an injury to Justin Falk, and that has caused people to lean on other St. Louis Blues options. Nick Letty is a guy who is fitting that bill with a good run of late, almost 21 minutes a game, and he's got two points last week as well as the good number of hits and block shots to make his stat line pretty attractive. And uh, it looks like he's going to get a chance to continue that run with his consistent level of play that we've seen. AJ, if you have any other defensemen, you can add them, but otherwise you can swing us into the top goalies where we look at all the goalies in the NHL this past week since uh, it's been pretty well picked over in terms of who's available right now that might be a cheap add. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll swing over to the goalies, uh, and it starts actually with a player who who does fit our low ownership, uh, uh, you know, line for when we're talking about the the skaters here, and that's Nico Dawes. Just 20 percent owned, been playing a lot with Vitek Vanasek out of the lineup. Uh, there's not really a clear, like totally clear indication of when Vanasek is going to be back. It sounds like part of the problem is he picked up an illness while he was also dealing with the lower body injury. And while that's not a concern anymore, um, it, it definitely set back his recovery. So I'm not sure if you totally want to pull the trigger on Nico Dawes, but he could uh, see, you know, some work as the number two option there, I think ahead of, of, of Schmid. So he's probably worth having, uh, but yeah, you look at his last four games, including the outdoor stadium series game, three wins, 
one loss, just eight goals allowed, uh, 2.02, the goals against average there. So really uh, putting up some solid numbers, could be playing himself into a larger role um, and, and worth probably taking a look at just 19% ownership uh, in the league. Another name at, at just 55% is Uka Pekalukinen. Uh, you know, played two games this last week. Uh, they're you know, seemingly they've kind of done away with the Devin Levi experiment for this year. Um, he was obviously cutting into Lukanen's starts at, at other points of the year, but uh, Lukanen's played in all but two of their last 12 games uh, and actually a really solid goals against average. Now, maybe don't look at last night's game against Anaheim when you're uh, considering how he how well he's played, but even factoring that game in, Still just 1.86, the goals against average over that 12-game stretch. Uh, there's three shutout performances in there. So playing uh, fairly well right now uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. And again, uh, right around half half of the leagues uh, have him owned there. So a couple guys to consider with, with lower ownership. Uh, you know, then, you know, you're going to see some names at the top here that we expect. Connor Hellubach, Igor Shesterkin. Uh, of course, you know, again, Maybe don't look at last night when you're talking about uh, Hellebuck here in that uh, ridiculous game, Paul. I don't know if you caught any of that, but the yeah. 10-7 uh, game looked like it was a, a football game featuring, uh, you know, the 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 Jets uh, <laughs> there. He got he gave up five. Uh, you know what? I have Hellebuck in the wrong game, but he gave up five against Calgary. I was confusing him with somebody else. So still not a great game for him. Uh, no, but overall – has been really solid of late. Uh, so consider Hellubach uh, again at the top here. Yeah, you're going to see, if you have access to a list of hot goalies, you're going to see a guy like a Joey Decord listed as well. And he's going to get a good run for because he's been the guy in Seattle who's kept them relevant and on the fringe of playoff contention. Picked up a couple of starts last week and got a win in those two and faced 70 shots. That's quite a number over two nights of work. And uh, if shots on goal factor in, a guy like him or a guy like James Reimer, it seems whenever he starts, he faces a bunch of shots. Detroit is relevant in the in the score uh, playoff race, so they got to figure out who they're going to go with, and that might create an opportunity if you look at who might be available of the three goalies that they trot out, have trotted out this season. Uh, you look at San Jose, do they move off of a guy like Capo Kakinen? Does he get traded to a team that's more of a contender? That might increase his value dramatically. So it's all situational stuff here. I wonder how people who, who own Vasilevsky feel after a pretty middling week for him. 11 goals against in three games played. Of course, that was inflated by a blowout loss to, to Florida. But I think Tampa is really uh, on the fringe of losing a playoff spot this season. And uh, maybe selling low on Vasilevsky might attract some sort of an interest uh, in your pools if you want to try and move him based on name recognition you might surprisingly get good value for a guy like that. So, again, keep a look out there. And Ilya Samsonov in Toronto starting to play like uh, among in the, since in the last month and a half, AJ. He's got the third hot, lowest goals against average of all goalies in the NHL and continued to add to that with two very nice starts last week and a good performance yesterday as well. You mentioned the Leafs winning on the holiday Monday. So he's been on fire of late, owned in 73% of leagues, but... Uh, a hot start for him, uh, maybe making people a hot finish, rather making people forget what he did earlier in the season. I don't know if you ride that inconsistent wave. Uh, even I, as a Leaf fan, don't have faith in him to to maybe look to acquire him in my leagues. And then finally, AJ, I'll look at Pyotr Kachekov. An interesting case in Carolina. He's playing now almost every game because of the fact that Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta are both injured. Ranta, though, is looking like he could be ready to rejoin the club in the near term. Kochetkov, though, has receded for a whole uh, mid full of victories. His ownership has risen steadily in the last few weeks, but uh, I don't know if that might be coming to a close, and I don't know whether you can trust a goalie like that who has not got the reputation of the aforementioned Vasilevsky or guys like Ottinger, even Bennington, Bobrovsky, to name a few other veterans. All that said, AJ, I think we're going to take a break right now, and we're going to come back and go through the players most added and dropped in your leagues and then set you up for DFS play with a final look at the, the eight-game slate tonight. And then we'll close out the show with an interesting discussion as you get ready for your fantasy draft, tra fantasy pool trade deadlines. 
how do you really get yourself prepared and what do you what should you be looking for? We'll go through that before we wind up today's episode of the podcast with Statsman and AJ. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. folks you're listening to podcast with statsman and aj and we've reached the point in the show where we want to talk about the most added and dropped players in fantasy over the past seven days and aj off the top a montreal canadian player heads the list of most added players in fantasy last week i wonder if it's sustainable and what do you think of your slavkowski before you talk about any other players that you might lead us into discussion about i i do think it's somewhat sustainable now uh obviously at some point he's you know, going to go a game without getting a point. That's just inevitable. But um, the fact that they've moved him into that top line role, they've got him playing with Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, I, I I think it is uh, definitely a sustainable run to continue to at least produce at a high level. And you look at their, their last game, he put seven shots on net uh, also blocked six shots. Like that's, insane for a forward to to block that many shots so um his ice time has been slowly creeping up i mean you look at the start of the season a lot of games in the 12s the 14s uh get kind of mid-season you start seeing a few 20s creeping in there but now for these last last five games really i mean 19 is uh 19 and a half is the low uh, upwards of, of 23 in that, that last game there. So I, I do think uh, they've got him on the top power play. Uh, I, I think it's a sustainable level of, of uh, you know, increase here. So, um, yeah, I would expect that number to continue to climb as, as you know, the, what, 30% of leagues out there where he's not rostered, uh, slowly adjust to that as well. Um, you mentioned Kuchekov, uh saw a 5% bump. Uh, I definitely have some concerns uh, about that. Still only at 40. I just don't know how much uh, game action he's going to see. You know, they, they've been saying, ah, Freddie Anderson is still too soon, is still too soon. Um, but at some point, he's going to come back. Ranta uh, was originally ruled out for two weeks. So you're looking at maybe like next week, Ranta could be back in the mix. And so, yeah, what does that do with Kachekov and and how does that go? So I'm a little shire on on that one and then paul i'm gonna deviate a little bit here i'm gonna predict that we're gonna see a new name on this list next week uh and i think that's gonna be ricard raquel uh in part because people i think are gonna look at the fact that he is playing as currently as the jake gunsell uh replacement on the top line with Sidney crosby 
hasn't totally panned out yet. Uh, his shot totals are up. I, I like that. He did have two assists in the game against Chicago, um, but still hasn't scored uh, since early January. He's on a, a 13-game slump there. Uh, but I, I think you're going to see his name there next week. I uh, just looked uh, based on Yahoo. Uh, looks like he's 29% uh, across Yahoo leagues. And so I think uh, I would expect that to climb next week based on assignment alone, especially if he were to find find one, get in the back of the net. And he's not just, I think it's important to point out, he's not just replacing Gensel at five on five. He's also been bumped up to the first power play unit. Now, their power play has not been great all season, so that may or may not mean anything. Um, but, you know, again, it's more time that he's playing with Crosby. Uh, not just five on five, but then they go to power play and he's still out there with Crosby. And so I think assignment-wise, it's it's somebody to consider. Again, about 70% of leagues, he should be available. And, AJ, when I look at these numbers and I look at the situations too, I think a couple of – players leap off the page and that's in Dallas we're talking about a team that's fighting for uh, the lead in their division and yet a couple of their second liners are very only in very few leagues out there Mason Marchman's having a breakout campaign owned in 26 percent of leagues jumped 9.3 in the past week that's second to Slavkovsky but then further down the list you look at Tyler Sagan who's been a consistent scorer for this club and having a nice season this year, only owned in 38% of leagues after a 3.5% jump. That represents an opportunity for me, partner, that teams looking for a boost in uh, in their fantasy should be looking at top teams in the league that have players available in their top six up front or top four on defense. Uh, top four on defense certainly applies to a guy like Tory Krug in St. Louis. I mentioned that Falk is injured and he's on Krug, as a result, is only owned in 12% of leagues, despite the fact that he's thrust into more offensive zone starts of late. And uh, that goes hand in glove with what I said about Jake Neighbors up front for, for St. Louis, playing more of an offensive role and up around the 20-goal mark, yet his ownership is only at 10% on the season. So there, if you're lacking in a couple of areas, these are uh, four players that can help you immediately. You look at a guy like Anthony Sorelli in Tampa, he's got uh, a look at uh, top six minutes on a fairly regular basis of late 8%, 8.7% his ownership. And if he's playing with some of the big boys there in Tampa, those, those, those numbers should rise dramatically too. So there's a lot of opportunity and I'll close with one more. Nico does, you mentioned, looks like the go-to option in New Jersey. His ownership, if you can believe it, is only at 4.1% for a team that boasts a lot of skill up front in front of him. And particularly now, as I said, Hughes is back in the fold. Their offense looks engaged. He, he doesn't have to be great to receive for wins. And yet, 4% ownership looks at a remarkably low figure for me. So that's a number of names that I looked at there. AJ, did I miss anybody that you might want to talk about? Well, I just want to add, uh, based on line combinations at practice today, Sorelli is moving up to the number one uh, spot. Him and uh, Braden Point are, are switching spots there. So that means Sorelli is playing with Kucherov and Stamkos. So uh, maybe, again, I've done this before, maybe pause the show. Go put in your waiver claim for Anthony Sorelli. Come back in a couple minutes once you've done that. I, I literally just did that while you were talking, Paul. So um, I, I got my claim in. Fortunately, we're not in the same league, so you know I'm not competing against you here. But, uh, yeah, that, that was just kind of my, my one additional ad there. Um, so I'll, I'll lead us into, uh, you know, the injury news. Uh, a couple of big ones that I'll just touch on right off the top. I, I sort of mentioned this before. Jake Gensel. Going to miss uh, four weeks with an upper body injury. That is such a huge injury for a multitude of reasons. You've got uh, him being pretty much this season the second best player on the team. Uh, I, I feel fine saying that. You maybe make an argument of it being Latang, um, but it certainly among the forwards, second best, no question. Um, he's going to be hurt past the trade deadline. So does a team want you know if they decide the season's a bust we got trade Gensel is a team out there going to be willing to take him on uh, with that injury concern and then the question becomes are they going to try and lowball the Penguins because he's hurt and then Pittsburgh well we were willing to trade him but not at the prices we're getting now um, so this is a huge impactful injury beyond just the on ice product uh, which has already been subpar at, at, at best there the other one, uh, Blake Wheeler, 
is going to be done. Uh, Basically, they're saying regular season. And even then, it sounds like probably Rangers have to make a bit of a deep run there uh, to even get to him coming back in the playoffs. So Wheeler may have his season over. Again, there's there's a chance. Uh, And before anybody screams about them violating LTIR and getting around that, which is a favorite topic of yours, Paul, just a reminder that Wheeler's only making like 800,000 this year. Uh, so they're not circumventing a whole lot. Uh, they're not getting really anything in terms of relief uh, from him being on, on LTIR there. So uh, yeah, some pretty big injuries there. Uh, Thomas Hurdle is going to be out for a while as well with, with the Sharks. He had knee surgery for uh, you know some loose cartilage in there. Um, so yeah, just a, a couple of real big injuries off the top uh and then uh i don't know if there's any more injury news that you want to talk about paul but uh take it away well the youngster in columbus adam fantilli who's turned some heads for them in his rookie season it's been cut short uh cut being the operative word here as he has a calf injury owing to a cut that's going to cost him six weeks of what remains in the schedule so they might want to even consider shutting the poor guy down at this point because you wonder what's the what's the real relevance of bringing him back at that late stage in a season where Columbus is definitely not going to make the playoffs. We had our big return last week that we haven't mentioned. That's Connor Bedard coming back and he had two goals and four helpers in the three games that he played. I think I mentioned he's going to win the Calder trophy. I just wanted to see how much time there would be left in the season for it before his comeback before I said that out loud, but I don't think there's any question now that he's back in the fold and, and playing at this level, if he, if he going to, prorate that the rest of the season he'll win it in a landslide as well mentioned also the detroit goalie situation i find it a bit odd partner that the ownership for uh, alex lyon has gone down 3.8 percent to 34 percent on the season this is a guy that they're going to lean on the rest of the way i think he's emerged as as the best option in the nets for detroit and uh, they need every win that they can get going forward huso is sidelined day to day is the notification there they won't lean on Jane Dreimer, the veteran. So I think the path is clear for, for Lyon to get a bit of a run here. And uh, Lyon- Man, Paul, when you when you give up three or more goals in each of your last five games, including seven to Edmonton, uh, your ownership percentage is going to drop. Yeah, but, <laughs> but I still say they're not going to play Edmonton every night. And I think Detroit is still relevant in the playoff hunt. They're, they have to decide on a goalie. And I think that's the guy that I would hitch my cart to at this stage in the season for the aforementioned reasons. So I'll stick with my call. Uh, Also concerned about the drop for Nikolai Ehlers. You know, he's not far removed from being one of the top scorers on a consistent basis for the Winnipeg Jets. They are a top team in this league, and he's going to get more of a run the rest of the way, particularly with the recent addition of Sean Monaghan adding a nice offensive piece. Both of these guys saw their ownership drop last week by four and four and a half, respectively. And uh, both should be available and both should be considered if you're looking for offensive help in your situation. Uh, taking a look at Winnipeg as one of the top teams in the Western Conference makes my case there. Uh, finally, uh, the Calgary Flames fortunes are hanging by a thread, but they're getting a good performance out of Igor Sharangovich this season. Multiple positions uh, available for him. His ownership dropped 6%, so uh, people are not liking what's happening for him most recently, but he's a guy, I don't think there's an injury bit of news around him. So maybe jumping the ship on him is, is a little bit too soon, AJ, in my opinion. Uh, I'll just throw that out. When I look at some of these numbers, they're a bit alarming. Now the goaltending situation in Vegas is up for grabs between Hill and Thompson. Thompson saw his ownership drop by about 4% last week, but I don't know that you kick him, kick that can down the road and say, I wonder who's going to be the number one guy between the two of them. Certainly Hill, was the guy that won the cup, but Thompson, a very viable option, again, for one of the top teams in the league. If he's available in your leagues, there's no reason not to consider him if you're looking for goalie help as well. Well, Paul, I want to circle back real quick on uh, some Dallas Stars injury news, um, in part because, you know, we were just talking last week, uh, you know, how is that central division race going to shake out? Who's going to be a factor? Well, they uh, had to put... uh, Evgeny Dadanoff on long-term injured uh, reserve. He's expected to mix four to six weeks. So that's a pretty significant loss there. And then uh, they've got two defensemen in Hockenpah and Lundqvist that are not on their current road trip. So that'll be about a four-game absence there. And then late yesterday before their 
uh, you know, uh, daytime game, uh, Matt Duchesne was ruled out of the lineup with a lower body injury. We haven't heard anything yet about that. They play again today, so we'll have to see if he's in the lineup today or not. Um, but if Duchesne is out on top of the Dadnoff, obviously those blue liners being injured is, is a concern, but that's basically like their third pairing. Um, and so more concerning is the, the, the forward, uh, forward concerns there among if Duchesne is dealing with anything near as long as Evgeny Dadnoff. Good news for, for our listeners that we've got AJ looking as we speak uh, while we're doing the show live, he gets up to the minute stuff on his feed and, and we're all better richer for it. Partner, thanks for throwing all that stuff in. We swing over now to our look at the DFS uh, action in store for an eight-game slate tonight. AJ, you're going to talk about the lineup you put together in DraftKings, maybe a word or two about how you put it together and where the focus might have been. Yeah, so uh, targeting a a couple different teams uh, tonight, uh, Dallas, I think, is still worth targeting, even though I just said about, (laughs) about some injury concerns there, but I still think they have value. They've actually... Uh, you know, you look at uh, goals per game, they've actually just crept over Vancouver and actually lead the league in goals, uh, goal scored per game. So that's one. Um, I'm, uh, I wanted to try and get a bigger share, but couldn't make it work of, of L.A. because uh, they're facing Columbus tonight. And then I think uh, maybe trying to get shares of Vegas going up against Nashville. Those were some of the, the factors for me. Um, but I started off, uh, I've got the Crosby jersey on today, Paul, so I guess I probably got to take him. Um, but I think it's mostly, you know, they're at home. They're playing the Islanders. Uh, the other, the, the game the other night, unfortunately, they lost on, on Yager night. But uh, I like the matchup with the Islanders. I think it's a big game for them. Uh, Sidney Crosby, as I mentioned, has been the best player on the team. I'll just jump ahead. I know normally, you know, centers, wingers, whatever, but I paired him up with Raquel tonight. 4,200 is the price tag for Raquel. I think it makes sense to use those two together for all the reasons I previously highlighted. I think he'll get going on on the goal scoring, but even if he doesn't pick up a couple assists, I think at 4,200, that's totally fine. Uh, I went with Wyatt Johnson for Dallas, comes in at 4,500. Lines are kind of questionable right now. We're going to have to see how they shake out. Um, because they, uh, last night they just played down a forward. Uh, they've brought up, uh, Logan Stank, Stankoven, uh, from uh, the minors. So how is he going to fit in? Who's going to move into that second line center role? So there is some question there, but I think either way at 4,500, I think Johnson worth, uh, looking at, he, he should see more opportunity with Duchesne out of the lineup. I went uh, to a guy you mentioned earlier as I start my wingers, 5,600 for Victor Arvidsson, L.A. at home against Columbus. Again, I probably should have taken more of the Kings tonight, um, but I think they're a really good option to look at. And then I went uh, pretty low. I think my cheapest player on the night tonight, 3,800 for Nino Niederreiter. Um, he's in a, a, a pretty hefty slump. Uh, he's got just one goal. Uh, in his last nine games. But if you look at that, he's kind of hit or miss on the shots. It's either zero or three or more. Um, So I like that he's still shooting the puck mostly. Uh, They're at home against Minnesota. There's going to be some questions around them. Minnesota is coming off. uh, I I have the right team this time, that 10-7 game uh, that they won, but they use both goaltenders in that game. So who's going to start tonight? And, you know, if it is Flurry starting tonight, well, he, you know, he just played uh, the third period last night. Is there a little bit of fatigue? Obviously, he didn't take the whole game. Uh, but, you know, there's some questions there. And obviously, Minnesota giving up goals. So I think Niederreiter, an opportunity to maybe capitalize on him there. Uh, defensively, I went with my guy, Miro Heiskanen. Uh, I'm going to just throw this out there. I know this is a DFS segment, but if you are uh, a better you're looking at, you know, some player props, or if you're playing on something like prize picks or underdog, something like that, uh, Heiskanen is pretty much a lock for two shots per game. Of course, I'm going to jinx it now by saying that, but every single game since he's returned from an injury, he's gotten two or more shots per game. And the last several, uh, sometimes it's two and a half, but for the most part, I've been seeing props at, at just two even for Heiskanen. And so if you can get that, uh, it's good value for whatever format you're playing him in. At 5,200, 
I think that's good value because he does have assists and goals over that stretch as well on the blue line. I saved up a little bit of money. I went with Quinn Hughes tonight. It's a tough matchup. Vancouver playing at Colorado. A great game to watch tonight. I'm looking forward to that one. He's 7,600. But as I mentioned, Quinn Hughes just continues to produce for uh, this team that is still right there at the top. They're, they're technically second now in goals per game uh, behind Dallas. But I would expect that to flip. He'll continue to rack up helpers, uh, you know, playing on that, that power play. As my utility guy, I went with uh, Nick Waugh for the Golden Knights. Uh, good assignment, 4,200 for him. Uh, he's in that second line. He's playing with March Assault and Barbashev. March Assault was a little too pricey for me tonight at 7K, so I went over with Nick Waugh to get a share there. And then between the pipes, I am going to go in the Delkovich uh, playing uh, tonight for Pittsburgh in, instead of Jari tonight. Uh, he's looked fantastic in his last several outings. They're at home, as I mentioned. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the Islanders have never exactly been known for their offensive output. Uh, they're, they're a little bit better, I think, maybe than some past years. Uh, 2.94 goals per game is, is not great. Uh, so I think a good opportunity to pay down a little bit and get a good matchup in Nadalkovich. So that's what I did over on DraftKings. I took a little bit of your time, Paul. Apologies for that, but I'll let you run through uh, your FanDuel lineup for us. No problem. I think we're like-minded in terms of the matchups that we favored, AJ. I was looking at the, the Los Angeles club as well uh, for a couple of my players, but I kind of spread it out and I went for some players that are having a nice hot run of, of late or are thrust into uh, newer situations, let's say. You highlighted one earlier with the, the move that Tampa made at center ice with Sorelli. I opted uh, for my centers to be cheaper than some of the big dogs on the, on the slate, but two guys that are in good situations and one of them particularly on a hot streak himself. Nico Heischer is that guy for the Devils. $6,600 the price tag for him in a matchup against Washington that quite frankly the Devils need to get. Heischer for his part 12 points in his last eight games played giving the, the Devils a real big edge in the middle of the ice when you consider Jack Hughes and Heischer against the best that Washington can offer and uh, Washington's really scraping by in terms of figuring out who to play in the middle of the ice these days behind Ryan Strom. Not much depth there at center at all. So I look for the Devils to take advantage of the mismatch at center ice with Heischer particularly. The other center that I use is Chandler Stevenson, another guy whose role has changed most recently, now playing top-line minutes again with Mark Stone. He's had a good run with Stoney in the past and uh, gets a chance to play with him again tonight for the paltry sum of $5,000. You can get a piece of that action against a Nashville club uh, that is not going to make the playoffs i don't think aj or they're going to be floundering at some point because they're going to i think they're going to be a seller at the trade deadline he for his part chandler stevenson has four points in his last five games playing center on the top line and power play on the first unit as well so good situation for him pivoting over to the wing i look at chris Kreider, who is one of the hottest sticks in hockey right now seventy five hundred dollars the most expensive guy in my lineup tonight against the dallas club that is playing the second of back-to-backs after the holiday Monday affair that they had earlier in the day yesterday. We're taping on Tuesdays. I'll say that for reference. Five goals and one assist for Kreider in his last four games. 24 shots on goal in that stretch. So good for him. Uh, good chance for him to keep that up. Victor Arvidsson of L.A. making the grade on my lineup because he looks like he's in a good situation at $6,400. I think he's got three reps under him. Now that he's back in the fold, it should be ready to roll. And uh, I think we'll take him tonight in that matchup after returning from a long injury. And so I will look also at the defense position. Brandon Montour and Luke Hughes are two guys that are playing in top-line situations. And uh, they are both relatively inexpensive. Montour, for his part, versus Ottawa. 17 shots on goal in his last five games, including four points in that stretch. Ottawa, too, another club that's playing on the second of back-to-backs. Luke Hughes, for his part, $4,600 at Washington, 12 shots on goal in his last four games played. D on the second pairing, power play on the first pairing, 27 points in 54 games. He's become the go-to guy in that defensive structure in New Jersey. I think it's a team that's primed to go on a bit of a winning streak. They certainly should have the edge against the Caps. Now, I was going to take a guy in the utility spot, and I must have got his price wrong, AJ. You're pointing that out as we speak. So I'm not going to take Alex Barkov. Instead, I'm going to go with your suggestion, 
Trevor Moore at $7,500. I like that pick to, to load up on the LA Kings and uh, their situation tonight is a bit of a mismatch in their favor. So I'll jump on that wagon and, and pick Moore, who has been a pretty good scorer for this club in the second half of the season, partnering him with another LA King, Philip Deneau, $5,500 for the Kings in that matchup, both both bolstered by the return of Victor Arvidsson. So it's a bit of a uh, an LA stack that you forecast in your list, and I'm happy to go with that in mind. Nico Dawes is the goalie of choice at $7,700, the, the pick that I'm making there, versus Washington tonight. And eight goals in the last four games that he's played against, uh, against all opposition, tells me he's at the top of his game. The Devils need a goalie to take hold of that situation because all I'm hearing in the trade rumors is that the Devils are looking for a goalie. Maybe if Dawes continues this run, he can be that guy, and uh, their win probability in this matchup on a Tuesday night is very high. So thanks for that additional help there, AJ, on my pick of Barkov. I must have sneaked in a, a DraftKings price tag there or something. <laughs> I don't know what happened on that one. Uh, we turn our attention to final thoughts in this show. We we highlighted the fact that we're nearing the point of a trade deadline in the NHL, but that must mean that we're all dealing with that possibility in our fantasy leagues, AJ. And I'm wondering, if you're looking to make moves by trade, how do you go about it in uh, in season-long We'll touch on that first and then in keeper leagues. So give me your answer for in-season long or redraft leagues. What do you have to do to make a good deal? Well, I think the the first thing, if you're in a redraft format, it, it really has to be like the the hard part is, and, and sometimes I find this is even harder in like fantasy football, but you have to understand like replacement. Like if I'm not going to, if you're going to offer me a guy like a defenseman, even if it's a pretty good defenseman, but I have enough guys and I'm not necessarily going to use that. I'm not going to give you a guy that I normally start as one of my wingers or something for, so positionally you got to like, you really have to look at what the other team has. You can't just go out there and be like, Oh, one for one, these two players are equal. And that might be true, but if you're, trying to give me a defenseman and I have enough defensemen to start and I'm never going to use this guy. That's, that's a problem. Now, if you're in a keeper format or even, you know, a dynasty format, that's a totally different discussion. When, when can I use this guy in the future? You know, if I, if I take this player from you, um, you know, I'm in a a format that allows four keepers uh, or have been. So it's like, you only keep a couple of them. So Am I trading somebody who potentially would be one of my keepers or, or not? Obviously, Dynasty gets on a whole nother level. Uh, you got to take age into a factor. If, if, you know, if I'm offering you a younger guy for an older guy, I might, it might be fair to say the older guy is producing more now. So that has more now value versus the younger guy into the future. Um, so they might be even, even if their current production levels aren't the same. So uh, it really is going to depend on your format, but do the research. Don't go out there and throw just dumb trades where it's like, I'm not going to take this guy because I would never start him. I hate when that happens. There's nothing I hate more than getting a trade offer. And it's like, where am I going to use this guy? Like what you need needs to be starter for starter or reserve for reserve. And then we can have a discussion about it. Exactly, partner. I think I'll pick up on that point and say, you know, start from your position of strength where you got, that's where you're going to take a guy and say, okay, I'm going to look around the league and see who's weak at this position. And I'll make this guy an offer with that guy, but it has to be to get back a player that's going to help you in a position where you're weak. And that's exactly what you're, you're, you started to talk about AJ to make it uh, a fair and balanced deal is another issue too. We've seen a lot of leagues that have started to have fair trade committees. I've been in leagues that blow that blew up because there were trades that were very one-sided it was almost like half one of the trading partners didn't really care what was going on in the deal and gave, sold the farm. Well, 10, other, 10 or 12 other te- teams in your league are impacted by those deals as well. So the notion of keeping the trades fair and equitable has to be something of a consideration for your league to run smoothly. I'll say that. Uh, AJ, in keeper leagues, if you're bailing, you have to win the long-term component of your deal if you're if you're on the losing end of the regular season this year, don't you? And by the same token, on the flip side, if you're a contending club, you got to look for a big win this season, but be prepared to take a bit of a loss on the long-term component. That's that's in a short, in short, 
what I think about in keeper leagues. Is there any other additional comment you want to make there? If you're playing in the keeper league, what you're hoping to achieve at the trade deadline? No, I mean, I think between, you know, taking age in as a factor, um, obviously, and then, yeah, you, you have to understand where you are um, building towards the future or in win now mode. I mean, it's really not anything different than what we expect out of NHL teams, right? Like the, the sellers are the teams that aren't making the playoffs and they're trying to get draft picks and prospects. Um, you know, the, the buyers are, are trying to get guys that are going to win and help them win right now. So it's, it's really no different in a lot of ways than, uh, than the actual NHL. We're sitting here, AJ, in the last week of February, the trade deadlines a week away. We're not too far away from seeing all the movement at the NHL level that we love to talk about on this show. Uh, we also want to welcome our listeners to send us their, uh, trade offers that they're considering or trades that they're thinking of making it's the most exciting time in the regular season and we want to give you uh, our ear as a real resource going forward we'll remind you you can listen to listen to our responses on uh, on the radio next week or you can certainly send your notes on twitter where you can reach me paul bruno at statsman 22 and you can follow aj at aj shoals 24 we want to thank you for listening to the, another edition of rotowire's podcast with statsman and aj and look forward to coming back to you next week. So have a good one, folks. So long, everybody.